You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Last week, Brent preached about unity. I wasn't here. I was at the beach. I wasn't on the beach then. I was watching service with you guys, okay? Uh, but and Brent preached on unity. And, and he, talked about, he talked about unity, and he talked about, you know, how there are things that sometimes divide even us. Now, how can that be? Because we're supposed to be one in Christ, right? Right? Amen. It's okay if you say amen. I know you felt like you were arguing with the Bible there to say amen, right? Yeah, we're supposed to be one in Christ, so how can there be dissension? But there is, and, and, and now this uh, something happened this week that I thought, oh, here we go again. There's going to be dissension, even in the church, over the things going on in the Supreme Court, you know, that we've heard about this week. You know, it, the unchurched world, the unchurched world, the, the, the non-Christian world, the unchurched world, is, is solidly behind a woman's choice whether to abort a baby or not. But by and large, the church world, by and large, now not everybody, but by and large, the church world is solidly behind that child having the right to be able to continue to live and to be born and to have a life. And sometimes when we don't stay focused on God's plan, even the best of us can listen to the voices around us and lose our focus and head in a wrong direction, okay? And th this, this shouldn't be because we should all have this one same mind. We should, so let me take it. Ephesians chapter 4 is where there's three verses there that are really the, the, the basis of this message today. And I want to start with the last one, okay? Verse 13. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. And... Just like the first week we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Just like last week Brent talked about the unity. That comes from the fruit of the Spirit because of the fruit of the Spirit. It allows us to be unified and what that unity is. And then look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, what it says. Until we all reach unity. There's that word again. Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What a mouthful that is there. But I want to point out one thing that is there. He's talking about whatever is in these two verses leading up to this that I'm going to preach to you kind of today. Whatever is there is leading to this that we would reach unity. Now, unity of what? Unity of opinion? No, it doesn't say opinion, does it? Or, or of feeling or of emotion or of, dare I say, political argument? That we even have unity and put no unity of faith, and, and I looked at this. I looked uh, uh, back to the Greek to see this little bitty word right there, the T H E. That little bitty word. I mean, it means nothing, right? The word the just. I mean, it's almost like it just helps with cadence, right? You're writing a song, you got to throw a V in there because I need one more little beat, right? And one more little half beat. It's almost like it doesn't mean, but it does mean something. It is a definite article. You know what that means? That means he's not saying we reach unity of a faith, of some faith, of any faith, but it is of the faith. It is a definite article, meaning that there is one faith. It is the faith that Jesus Christ has given us. So all of this that we've been preaching about, talking about the last three weeks, and now this, today this sermon, we're going to keep going here and keep digging here and keep moving here until we reach unity in the faith. Okay, listen. 
this thing, this, this, this Christian walk, this uh, faith in Jesus, following him and all of that, it's not a cafeteria. Y'all know what a cafeteria is? How many of y'all like cafeterias? Anybody? Anybody all like cafeterias? Oh, just a few, just a minute. I'm not going to make you stand up and explain the cafeteria to us or anything. Okay, I'll do that real quick. You know what you do at a cafeteria, right? You go down the line with your tray and say, I want some of that, and I want some of that, and I want some of that. And if you're at Nikki's and you got your cell phone on, they're going to yell at you. Say, turn the cell phone off, sir, right? You know, I want some of that. And what do you do? You pick some things. And you leave some things. I don't want any. I don't. I don't want any of that. I don't want any. Of that. You can't have all of that. You can only have one meat and two or three vegetables, right? That's what a cafeteria is. You don't get all the meats. You don't get all the vegetables. You don't get all of the desserts. But do you know what a buffet is? <laughs> Y'all ever been to a buffet? <laughs> Smorgasbord. And they, and they don't even have somebody on the other side. They let you pick up the spoon. And because you get to decide, I want some of this, and I want more of it, and I want more of it. And, more, and you know, I want, let me tell you what I do, what I do I, I, at a buffet. Especially one, Dave and I went to one while we were at the beach this past week. We just needed a day away from seafood, believe it or not, you know, after you've been there several days. Said, Let's just do something different. So we went to a Chinese buffet. And what I do is I get a little of this, a little of this, a little of this, a little of this, a little of this. Kind of stuff on plate up, go sit down. I say, okay, that's the stuff I like. And then I go back and get a whole plate of that, right? Right? Because you can you see, that's the point. This thing with Jesus Christ, it's not like you only get this and this and this. You get it all. It is the faith, every bit of it. So you listen, I know some people may say, yeah, but I don't want that part. No, 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 you don't want to leave that out. You don't want to leave any of that out because that's some substance that is there. That's some structure that is there. That life is not going to be what it's supposed to be if you don't build the structure. Man, there's been a lot of times, Kurt and I, we've done few little jobs here around this around this building and you know there have been some times I wanted to you know cut some corners just save a little money you know <laughs> yes I'm the pastor you know want to save a little money here or there but you know if if it needs a two by six we don't need to put a two before there and you know that's the way we do with our lives sometimes our Christian lives is we want to say well I, I don't really need that no take it all because you need all of it to get to the full measure of who you need to be and we need to be in Jesus Christ it's all, you know, uh, this Christian thing is not a democracy. We don't get to vote on it. <laughs> you know, Jesus set it up. He established it. It is his. <laughs> we came into it. We, we didn't create this. Oh, yeah, we planted a church called 2911. But we didn't create this thing that is Christianity. 2911 is Christianity, okay? And if we, if we ever forget that, then we need to shut down. But it's not a democracy. It's a theocracy. He has already decided. Let me, let me go even a little deeper. Y'all know um, that old Burger King slogan, have it? Yeah, that's not Christianity. Christianity is more like a couple of restaurants we went in this week that you're reading through the menu and say, now, that seafood platter right there looks really, really good. But I don't want clams. And I don't want oysters. And I would have ordered it anyway and said, can you give me more shrimps? So there, there was these words down here in italics. You know what they were? No substitutions. <laughs> you know, now that was, that was better for the restaurant. But you know, listen, Jesus has no substitutions because it's not better for him, but it's better for you. When you take the whole thing, it's better for you than to say, well, I want it my way. I'm gonna, and I, I, know, I know that sounds imperious to us, right? That, that Jesus said, no, no, you're going to do it my way. I mean, that's the way it sounds when I say no substitutions, huh, you know. And so we can say, well, you know, you, you just kind of full of yourself, aren't you, Jesus? But, you know, 
There is no place in life where we choose how to follow someone. So why do we think we get to choose that with Jesus? That we get to choose how we follow? And I hear it all the time. People saying, well, Dave and I were watching a one of our sitcoms that we, one of our favorites, this is from a, year, a few years ago. We've seen this episode many times, and, and we saw it the other day. And, and uh, this person was saying to their parents, and, and uh, they, there was, you know, there was some religion involved here, Christianity involved here. And, and they said, you know what? I did this, and I have decided it's not a sin. Let me tell you something. You don't get to decide that. We don't get to decide that. This is not a democracy. We don't get to vote, Okay. You know, we don't get to decide that this is a sin. We don't get to choose how we follow Jesus. Okay, th think about it. Where do you choose how you follow anybody else? I mean, you know, in school, do you get to choose how you follow your teacher? <laughs> you can follow her all the way to the office if you don't, right? Follow her the way. Or, or professors. You know, and I had some weird professors. I had, I've had some rebels of professors. And, and even in school, I remember in the 10th grade, I had a history teacher that was actually there for the 12th grade, but they didn't have a teacher to teach us. So had him, and he was a rebel. I could tell you stories right now that you would not want to hear on a Sunday morning in front of all this mixed crowd of stuff that he pulled. But you know what? Even he had rules, and you didn't do it your way. You still did it his way. As rebellious, as liberal as he was, you still had to do it his way, or, or, or like, a, like, like a coach. <laughs> we talked about that guy. I've already mentioned that guy down in Tuscaloosa. Is there anybody who believes that the players or the assistant coaches in Tuscaloosa get to follow Nick Saban any way they want to? Or what about your employer? I dare you, some of you, go in tomorrow morning. Don't talk to your boss yet. Just go in and change all of the prices on everything in stock. Go online and change all of the prices and then tell him what you did. And say, I know you wanted it this way, but I, I thought it'd be good to do it my way for just one week. Or, or, or i tell you what to do. Ignore the schedule, and this week just work the hours you want to work. I know some of you bosses are saying, that's kind of what my employees do anyway, right? <laughs> you don't get to choose to follow. Like mentoring. If you've got a mentor. And now, normally mentor, mentoring relationships aren't like hard and fast, like do this, do this, do this. You know, normally they're not that way. But listen, when you get to the place where you're not listening to your mentor, you're not being mentored anymore. The relationship's over. Or what about the police? Now, a couple of seconds ago, I said, I dare you to go into work. And, and that was a joke, okay? Don't anybody do that. Because I'm definitely not going to dare you to do anything with the police today. But if you did any of the crazy things that you think about doing sometimes and trying to maybe, well, I'll just change the rules on Jesus. Try to change the rules on the police. You're going to find yourself in trouble in a hurry. So we don't, we don't decide, we don't pick and choose how to follow any of these other people in our life. But we think, how in the, what, how in the world do we think we can come up with this, that we can choose how to follow the creator of the universe and the creator of life. If he created everything. You see, let's remember this. Finally, next slide. I know you, I let Kevin go to sleep back there. That was so long, right? Let's remember that we came to Jesus because we need him. We didn't come to Jesus because he needed an advisor. You know, so, so it, it's kind of presumptuous of us to start saying, well, I'm going to follow Jesus this way. Nope. You're going to follow Jesus the way he leads, or you're not following. 
You know, I, if we're going to lunch after church, and I know it's Mother's Day, so you've got somewhere else to go, but just, for, just say, for instance, and I say, hey, follow me down to this restaurant. If you don't know where this restaurant is, you're not going to get there unless you follow me. You know, I don't remember the name of it. I can't give you the address, but just follow me. You're not getting there. What are you going to do? You're going to be driving around for the rest of your life lost because you're not following me, the person that knows the way. So let us understand if we are going to have the faith, not just any faith, not just a, a measure of faith, not just a, a matter of faith, not just somebody's faith, but if we're going to have the faith, I mean, this is the most important part of the sermon up to this point is for you to get all of this, is that if we're going to have the faith, it's going to be following him the way he says to follow him. It's the only way we can do it. No, no, you say, well, I didn't really sign up for that. Well, yeah, you did because you said, I, I want you to, and, and so you, that's what this is. And I think that's where we kind of get, if we're not careful, we kind of get and we see and we, we watch people who kind of step away and doing their own thing and say, wait, wait, wait a minute. Weren't they just in my small group? Weren't they just in my church? Weren't they just in my teens group? Because we've not embraced this following in this way. But you know what Jesus did is he wants us to be able to do it so badly that he gave us, Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, he gave us five gifts to the church. Wow, you excited? Everybody likes gifts, right? You're nervous. You don't think these are going to be the gifts you want, right? <laughs> these are the gifts that you need. Y'all know the difference, right? You know, you ever gotten what you needed, but it wasn't what you wanted? <laughs> you ever got what you wanted, and it wasn't what you needed? <laughs> You know, it, I, I, I know that it seems like the, the first was worse, but then when you think about the second, you got what you wanted and it wasn't what you needed. That's a whole lot worse than getting what you need and not what you want. It's a whole lot worse. Jesus gave us what we needed. Ephesians chapter 4, let's back up two verses now from where we were. Verse 11, now these are the gifts. See, I, I didn't make this up. I'm not twisting the words here. Jesus gives these gifts to the church. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ, so that we can all come to completion in the faith. Remember verse 13 just a few minutes ago, right? All right, now, before we talk about these gifts, these five gifts, I, 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 I want to I tell you some of the, I, I, I guess some of the, when I, I back away just a little bit, when, when a lot of people talk about these gifts. I, I, don't, I don't really go in for all of the contemporary uh, explanations and definitions of these gifts that I hear in the world today. And the reason I don't is because they are contemporary. Now, that sounds like my dad back when contemporary Christian music first started coming out, right? Well, no, that's not any good because it's contemporary. Well, that's not exactly what I mean. But what I mean is, you know what contemporary means? It means relating to today, right? And so the reason I don't go in for the relating to today is because it's just relating to today. As a matter of fact, you know, um, if you go back and read uh, some commentaries and, and being a pastor and preaching sermons, man, I've, I've dug into a lot of commentaries over the years. And one of the things that I've found is that if you, you go back and you read someone that maybe wrote their commentary 150 years ago, you're going to see some things that absolutely relate to the, to the world he was living in at that time. Just like these words up here, these last two gifts, the pastors and the teachers. You know, I've read commentaries from like 100 plus, 150, 175 years ago 
that the way they describe those two gifts is pastors are the ones who teach you on Sunday and teachers are the ones who teach you in school and in college and university. And see, now, okay, I, I get that, but that is not all that those two gifts mean to the church. That's not all it means, okay? Or like, like that, that one right before it, the evangelist. Now, if you're anywhere near my age, you used to think, and you may still think this, that an evangelist is someone who shows up at a church for night services for a whole week, and then he goes somewhere else the next week. Maybe, maybe two weeks, but, you know, we kind of couldn't handle more than a week most of the time, right? And, he just, and that's what an evangelist was. You see, because that's what we saw most happening and most going on in the Christian world that day. And so that's what we call evangelists. That's, that's, that's such, a, such a narrow definition of this gift that God wanted to give into the church. Okay, so that's why I would say that I don't necessarily just jump at the contemporary because the contemporary today is going to be something different. I mean, I, I started to say 50 years from now, but man, the way things change these days, maybe 10 years from now, the contemporary definitions will be different. But let me, let me ask you this question before we, before we go on. <coughs> what do you see here? Do you see in these five words, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, do you see titles and positions? Or do you see callings? Because you see, I, I see people that have... that build their whole church around the titles and the, and the positions. And, I, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying that's just not enough. It's so much more than, it's calling. That's what these, that's what these positions are. And so now I want to run through these as quick as I can because it's really not my intent to, to um, spend a lot of time here. It's just really to lay these out and let you see how much Jesus cares about you because he wanted to put all these things in place so we can come to the faith the faith. Not just have some faith and not just, but the faith. Because if we want to see giants fall, if we want to see walls fall, then we can't just be part of a faith. We have to be part of the faith and come to that full measure. So the first one is the apostles, right? Now, I'm not going real deep here, okay? If you want to go deep, you and I'll have to have lunch together or coffee or something, all right? But I'm going to give you this one word to just think about, just universal. You know, a lot of people have callings in ministry, but apostles have a universal, it's like, it's like they're not thinking about, you know, have, you know, that song didn't work today. Let's not ever do that song again. They're not thinking about this moment, this, this uh, uh, plan here for this one building, for this one service, for this one hour and 15 minutes that we're together. Is they're thinking, and, and God has given them a calling to, to be about more than just this one moment. I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of times, so bring up the next slide for me, if you will. It's, apostles don't decide what's next based on their personal opinion, plans, hopes, tastes, and interpretations. You see, that's what we do a lot of times, is we make all of our decisions on Christianity based on how we feel, what we like, the last argument that we heard on um, CNBC, MSNBC, uh, CNN, even Fox News, or wherever it is. And we make our decision, but the first apostles, the 12 who followed Jesus and then Matthias who took Jesus' place and then, then uh, the apostle Paul, they didn't make the decisions based on, they didn't need an MSNBC or a Fox News. That's not how they made their decision. But you and I, if we're not careful, man, I've, I've, I've had people give up on God, give up on church, give up on all their Christian friends and relationships 
over some of the stupid, silliest, petty things because I don't think we ought to do it that way. Apostles can't be consumed with those. And, and, I, and, I, and I bring this to your attention because I want you to, I want you to get this. I want you to understand this also. We got a t-shirt that a lot of you wear around here that says, it's not about me, okay? And apostles, they, once they got caught, it's never, now that doesn't mean they're perfect. Next slide, because Paul, Paul was an apostle. Was he perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. The apostles weren't perfect. They, they argued at times, but they came to a decision altogether. Paul was an apostle, but he served efficiently and passionately. So he had the title, but the title doesn't matter unless you're serving with passion and efficiency. Paul served with, he planted churches. And when he left, when he walked out the door, they didn't die. <laughs> they were still there. He was writing letters back to them. He was encouraging the pastors and he was still there. He was connected. He was efficient. He was passionate. So a lot of the things that, that would be about all of these, uh, the, these five gifts that God gave, I'm wrapping up in this apostles because that's true for everything. I don't, I don't care what title you've got. I don't care if somebody calls you an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist. If you're not doing the job, who cares? Who gives a rip if you've got a title? Nobody's going to, nobody's going to find heaven because you've got a title. Somebody's going to find Jesus because you are serving in the calling that you have with efficiency and with passion. That's what matters. And so that's what we need. Next, next slide. I'm going to read this real quick. I've got to hurry. We need such leaders just like that. Not to fill a position, but to serve with passion. Not arguing over politics, but seeking God's plans. Willing to speak for God's plans regardless of the fallout. You see, that's what apostles do. Apostles aren't concerned. <laughs> so that'd be one of the dangerous things about having a real true apostle come up here and speak on a Sunday morning. Because he ain't worried if half of y'all don't come back next week. He's going to speak God's word. And it's going to offend who it offends, and it's going to challenge. And, and you know what, really? It's going to offend all of us. But those who are in it for the long, those who have said, I want the faith, that offense is not going to lead them away. That offense is going to lead them closer. And that's the danger. That's what we, so what we need is we need to pray. Pray. Uh, last slide says, pray for God to give us such leaders, just like that. That's the second one. The second one is, uh, is prophets, right? Now, this word prophets if you've been around church for years, you've heard this word used, and you've heard it misused. We have thrown this word around so casually just to say, oh, they're a prophet, they're a prophet, they're a prophet. Some of them ain't within a million miles of being a prophet, okay? Uh, let me give you a key word here, speaking, okay? It means speaking. Because, you know, here's some, something that I've heard that, uh, that I, I just can't abide is when somebody says, oh, he speaks for God. Now, I, 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 just the phraseology doesn't work for me, okay? I'm sorry. He doesn't speak for God. He speaks God's words, but he doesn't speak for God. You know, if, if God wanted to, he could make that pole right there speak for him. You know, okay, so he, he doesn't, and he doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. Let me, let me explain it this way. Uh, this is the next slide right here. A true prophet's words will not merely line up with Jesus' words, but will be submissive to Jesus' words. A true prophet's teaching will not merely line up with Jesus' teaching, but will be submissive to Jesus' teaching. Prophecy is not when somebody says something so crazy off the wall, out in left field, on the end of the limb, ready to saw it off out from under you, that it doesn't make any sense. It will be submissive to 
Not just line up, it will be submissive to. It will promote, it will exalt the words that Jesus Christ has already given us. It will lead us deeper into the teachings that he has already given to us. That's what a prophet does. And, and, and let, me, let me tell you, if you've got a prophet in your life, some of us have people around us that call themselves prophets. Listen, if you've got a prophet in your life, let me tell you this. A prophet's words are not greater than Jesus' words. Do not elevate them to that place in your life. Make sure that Jesus' words are always greater than it because the prophet's words have to be measured by Jesus' words. That right there is what we need to pray for. God, give us leaders, men and women like this that can speak the word of God in a way that we can understand. And again, not worry about the fallout. Now, I'm going to skip ahead because now I'm going to talk to you about somebody who worries about fallout. That's pastors. Now, pastor, he gets up here and he starts preaching about what God told him to preach. And he is worried half of y'all not going to show up next week. Okay? Because his job is administration. Just think about that. The difference in pastors and teachers is not because one's up, up here on a Sunday and the rest are out in the colleges and universities. The difference is administration. Because where a teacher is just teaching, a pastor is leading. A pastor is encouraging. A pastor is instructing. I need to hurry there, Kevin, so just go ahead and bring me that next, next slide right there. Pastors are more father than friend. You know, you want a pastor who's your friend, you know, that, that's not going to work real well for you because a pastor's got to be a father. A father, a father you, know, you know what a father does? A father, a father encourages you but doesn't make you feel good about everything you do. You know, a father's willing to challenge you when you say something stupid. You know, a father is willing to help you, willing to work beside you, willing to fight for you. And that's what pastors are. Next, next slide, if you will. Uh, the gift of pastors to the church highlights the reasons why we all need a church home. This is, why you need, this is one, of, one of the big reasons you need a church home is because you need a pastor who will be kind of like a spiritual father who will challenge you when you're doing something stupid or you say something stupid or you teach something stupid. You need that kind of a challenge in those things. So we need to pray. Pray for God to give us such leaders in the church world today. Not, not pastors who want to tell people what they want to hear, but pastors who will tell people what they, what they need to hear. And, and then the teachers is right after that. I want to run through this real quick. Teachers are concerned with doctrine. They're concerned with instruction. They're concerned with apologetics. That just means defending the faith. And basically, it's all the same as, as a pastor, except the pastor has that responsibility of worrying a teacher doesn't necessarily worry about you, but a pastor worries about you. So it's a lot of the same things. It's doctrine. It's making sure good sound doctrine is being given and instruction in that doctrine and about apologetics. And we need to pray for God to give us such, such leaders. Now, the last one is actually the middle one in the list in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. But I've saved it for the last, and here's the reason why. <laughs> because we can look at this list and we can say, well, I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet. Uh, you know, I'm not a pastor, and some of you say, I'm not even a teacher. Well, wait a minute. There are a lot more teachers in this room than we know, than have accepted that you are a teacher. You need to be involved in grow groups, but in some way you need to be teaching other people because God has given to you the ability. If he's given you the ability, the calling is there too, and you need to be teaching. You know, but we, we can say, well, I'm not this, but I believe I believe every one of us is called to be an evangelist. Okay, and I'm, I'm going I'm to try to hurry this by telling you this story. The last, 
last Sunday after church was over. Dave and I had church right there with you guys. And, and when it was over, I got to be honest with you, we didn't head to lunch like we normally do here. Uh, we headed to the beach, <laughs> you know. We went out and laid out on the beach for a little bit. You know, well, it didn't take long like... Um, you know, Dave was all about the sun. Well, I'm all about doing something. We ain't doing anything, so I guess it's time to eat. You know, and so I'm thinking, there's got to be somebody that delivers to the beach. You know, who is it? You know, right? But would that not just make the beach perfect if somebody would just bring me a hamburger, you know, and lay it in my lap and let me just eat it? And so I thought, oh, okay. David wants to stay here. I said, well, I'll go and pick us something up. So we talked about it. And so I went to the steamer. And uh, I don't know if y'all been to the steamer in Gulf Shores, but they, they cook it all together. They steam everything together. We got shrimp, you know, the peel and eat shrimp and, and crab legs and sausage and, and corn on the cob and new potatoes and green beans. Y'all ready for lunch now, aren't you, right? And we got all that, you know. And so they're, they're getting that ready. And I'm just standing there. And, and you know, uh, uh, the, you order at the bar. Well, uh, you know, being a pastor, I just kind of step back a little ways. I didn't want anybody to see me standing there, right? So I kind of step back. And I'm, uh, I'm a people watcher. And so I step back and, and I just start watching people because I, I just, I, I just, I just like to see and just think, you know, what's going on with this? And I see this family. And I'm, if you'd asked me which family in the restaurant today is Christians, I would not have picked this family. But then, you know what they did is they all stopped, closed their eyes, bowed their heads, and they said, Grace, they said, thanks for their meal. And say, I, I wouldn't have picked them out as, be, as doing that. You know, I didn't see a lot of people stopping and praying this past week in restaurants, but they did. And then there was this other family, and I really identified with them because they had a lot of kids. <laughs> you know, when, when we've got, especially on Sunday afternoons, we've had a lot of kids with us a lot of times, right? And, uh, and I saw them, and, and how all the kids were vying for attention. You know, the, they were snuggling up. They were getting real close. I meant, you know, the, the preteens. I meant, you know, they wanted to be involved in the, in the adult. Con- See, I told you I'm a people watcher. I'm seeing all this, right? And then the kids that are climbing up in the, in the laps and everything and trying to get one more cracker or one more something and all of that. I identify with them. Then I saw this family come in, young family, had two beautiful little girls. And I, I, was just, I was just amazed at the beauty of these two little girls, these two little girls that came in. And then there was the guy behind the counter who was waiting tables, and he was doing all this stuff. And, and then there were four ladies. Uh, and an important thing for you here is they were different ages and different sizes, okay? You know, some tall, some short, some heavy, some, some thin. Different ages, different sizes. You know, and then there was the manager. He came around the corner, and, and uh, he, he opened the door to this closet. I mean closet. I mean, we could put 12 or 15 of them up here on this stage. He opened the door to this closet, and he went and sat down. How they built it, and that was his office. <laughs> you know, and that, that's, that's, that's his office where he was, and he was, you could see he was working on reports. I could see in there, and, you know, they built shelves, and they built him a little desk, and he had just enough room to put him in a chair, and they could have closed the door on him, but man, claustrophobia, I'm sure, would have really t- overtaken, and all those people there. And so, so standing there, with all this going on, I just started a conversation with God. I don't know, he might have started it in my heart, because he wanted, it, you know, I think that's what he does, is he wants to talk about something. And so he kind of nudges us a little bit to get us talking about it. And I'm standing there, and, and I said, God, you love every one of these people. And I was just looking around at all of them. You love every one of these people. And all of what I'd been thinking over the last few minutes is how different they all are. You know, I related to some, some I didn't relate to. The struggles that they must be having, the, the joys of, of having their kids around them, the beauty of their kids, and 
the, the, the happiness going on around the table, all of the things, you know, God, you love every one of these people. But then the struggles of the, the waiters and the little manager in his little bitty office and all that. And you love every one of these people. You have given them, I, th these are the things I said to God. I said, you've given every one of them talents. You've given them personalities. You've, you've given them wants and wishes and desires for down the road. You've given them sensuality that I know just trips up so many people. And I said this, I said, God, you've given them egos. You know, and I don't normally like a whole lot of people with egos, you know, but I said, God, you gave them egos. And I've got an ego, we've all got egos. And you gave them egos. And what he spoke back to me was, was this, and, and, and I'll, I'll wrap it up like this. this. Now this is not a prophetic word for word, which I, no, I don't have it on the, uh, do I, do I have that? I, I can't remember if I put this on the slide. What's my next slide right there, uh, Kevin? Yes, yes, I did put it on the in the notes. Most of our efforts of reaching others, okay, when there is actually an effort, because a lot of us, we aren't even trying at all. But most of our efforts of reaching others is so focused on reaching our one person that we often forget that Jesus sent his followers to impact the whole world. See, most of the time when I would talk to you even, I'm... Spanking myself here today. Most of the time when I talk to you, I, talk, I want to talk to you about that one person you're supposed to reach this week. But you know what? Jesus didn't go into the world to reach one person. He didn't stand up on, on a hillside to reach one person. I know, I know we say that Jesus would have died if you'd been the only person to receive salvation. He would have died just for you. I believe that, yes. But you aren't the only person. And so we get so caught up so many times in that one and that one and the one and we forget and we fail to realize that we're supposed to have impact on everybody around us. Impact. That there's somebody's life who's falling apart and, and, and they need, they need a, a Christian to give them a smile and a hug and, and say, I'm praying for you today. That maybe they're not ready for the, the, the gospel plan of salvation, the ABCs or the CBAs, whichever you, you, you like, you know. Maybe they're not ready yet for Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, the one I really like. But they need some encouragement. Jesus didn't just save their soul. He fed their hungry bellies. He healed their diseases. He chased their giants away. And so what's the goal for this week? Sometimes in the past I've called this um, homework, right? So the goal this week is to impact as many lives as possible. I want to change your thinking, most of you, I'm sure, about who you are in Jesus Christ. I want you to realize he wants you to impact every life around you. Jesus did. And we're following in his footsteps. We're supposed to impact. Even if we can't preach them to salvation, even if we, they won't let us pray with them, just, we can impact their lives somehow. I want to challenge you. This, this is what we've been called to do. And this is part of the faith. Not to do his thing for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday and go home feeling like, check that one off, did, did his will today, showed up at church, paid my tithes, prayed a little bit, listened to a sermon, worshiped, got it done. That's not what the faith is. The faith is following in his footsteps and impacting all the lives that are around us.
keeping our eyes and ears and hearts open for who it is that needs somebody to step into their life. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.